everybody we are back to talk about the latest two episodes of star trek discovery we're talking episode seven episode eight and uh they are uh, light and shadows and if memory serves and i'm really excited i'm rachel and uh tom is here to talk about them with me but thanks so much and uh yeah these are two pretty interesting episodes i'm really curious especially being a diehard star trek fan what you thought yeah lots to, for the for the fans to digest yes <laughs> so uh well let's dive in so light and shadows uh we have them searching for uh in this last episode they've been looking for spock and then they find spock and uh that uh but he is in this kind of vegetative state for almost he can't answer any questions and uh maybe and, maybe cat kind of catatonic maybe not vegetative i don't know yeah. but like not himself yeah right episode they uh it, burnham tries to find she's looking for the vulcan planet and then the computer gets caught in a loop in a riff in the space-time continuing mm -hmm. thing and uh and tyler wants to know what happened to burnham but burnham is on uh yes yeah, on this Vulc mission to go to try to find spock he, spock as a little kid and he says that uh, emotions emotions confuse me he's the uh, her mother says this is not the spock that you know that you remember it's now you remember him mm -hmm. and so there's uh i don't know kind of this first she says that oh he's not there but then she then finally she relents and shows him and he's in like this cave kind of muttering things under his breath mm -hmm. um what did you think about all of this with spock um, it, it's kind of familiar. It reminds me a little bit of um, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, where we meet a Spock without his soul, right? He's kind oh, of this, yeah. he's swiftly maturing on the Genesis planet, and he doesn't really speak. He's not really 100% himself, um, right? So we kind of get that a little bit. And then also in Star Trek Four, he's still a little blinkered, like he's still not quite 100%. He's just got his Katra back, and he's not, he's just not quite all there. Right, so we've kind of seen similar kinds of, of takes on a Spock that's not quite, he's not quite totally there um, before, but this is kind of a different, a different way of doing that in a way that looks more like, um, uh, neuroatypical kind of run amok, like uh -huh. autism or, or Asperger's run amok or, um, but like temporarily where like he, he just can't, he's kind of stuck. In himself yeah i know that some people were were kind of upset with the with kind of adding more sort of mental illness uh to spock and kind of right because we find out he's dyslexic right yeah did you were you bothered by that not especially i thought it was kind of interesting uh and it's it's one of those things like like i i sort of i get the objection like i understand why people are going are sort of rolling their eyes at that by the same token though that if, if i found out that someone i know and like turns out they have a little bit of a learning disability 
I go, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. I know some, now I understand you a little better. But it's not like, oh, come on, it's a gimmick or something. <laughs> so, you know, of course, in real life, it's not writers dictating who has learning disabilities. But, um, you know, they, it's something they have no control over. Mm-hmm. But in this case, like, I, I felt like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of interesting and cool. So now I understand something about Spock I didn't know before. And it's cool to learn something new about some, someone so familiar. Did it feel like the same character, though, to you? Like, well, I felt, yeah, it did. Um, it felt like uh, I was seeing another side of him. I mean, it, I kind of compare it to, like, when, you know, I've been married to my wife for going on 15 years this year. But when we get together at parties with friends or whatever, she'll tell stories from her past. And more often than not, that's where I go, I've ne- you've never told that story before. And as I've constructed sort of these stories from her past, from before we were married, um, I've come to realize that there's this other person I never met. And it's her at 19 or her at 15 or whatever age. You know, these different mm. versions of her. It's still her. And I'm sure that she still had kind of, a, I know the, some sort of the bedrock of her temperament and her personality, but it's interesting to hear how that changed over time and under different circumstances. So, um, no, I feel like I'm getting to know an old friend better. Mm, interesting. I can see that. Yeah. Um, in the uh, Vulture article, Vulture column, and I've been mistakenly referring to the writer of this, Devin Maloney, as a male. It's actually a female. I- Oh, yeah. for that. I didn't know that. But um but anyway, she does a really good job uh, every week, I think. And uh, she, it was interesting, I thought she gave it a very low score this episode. She didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that especially after the streak of excellent installments we've seen here on Star Trek Discovery, Lion Shadows was to put it as kindly as I know how a cluster frick. <laughs> For starters, it's baffling that we're adding a brand new learning disability to Spock's laundry list of issues, given that the only thing really needed to convey that he was primed for a mental breakdown is the fact that he's a half-human expected to act full Vulcan. Physiologically, Vulcans are like super-powered monks. They're able to connect physically across long distances as we've seen but also literally control their own body functions including neural pathways in their brains and so uh, i i thought that was kind of interesting says to what degree that applies to spock's physiology in this timeline is at this point entirely up for speculation given his dual identity that difference alone could explain a learning disability in a vulcan context and while I'm not a psychiatrist, Michael's revelation that the numbers Spock is repeating are reverse coordinates does seem like a massively convenient interpretation of how dyslexia uh, or, uh, let's see, uh, how dyslexia, dyslexia works. And sure. It's, anyway. a TV, it's a shorthand TV version of how dyslexia works. I'll, 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 I'll give her that. Yeah. So she felt like we don't need to add, it was an expl- explanation that we didn't need, that it adds another kind of, uh, to the, you know, she says the laundry list of, of problems that poor Spock has to deal with. I don't know. Do you see anything in what she's saying or what do you think? I mean, I, again, I understand the argument. I understand the eye rolling here, but it's not, it doesn't bother me. Mm, interesting. It, okay. When I heard it, it doesn't now. Mm, all right. And so what do you think of this actor that's playing Spock? the new actor 
I think he's doing a solid job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no issues. Cool. Uh, now, of course, we haven't, you know, gotten a lot out of him. He's kind of in this, you know, he's not really from the, we haven't seen him be himself yet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like we haven't seen Spock on the bridge of the enterprise doing his job yet. Like we're most familiar with seeing him. So these are kind of weird circumstances. It's kind of hard to judge yet, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. his I think his voice is right. Like I, that's how I would perf- you know, that's the kind of cadence and Tom you know Tom Bride go for if I were performing Spock. And this um, Ethan Peck is his name, mm-hmm. the actor. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't have a huge problem with him. He seemed fine, uh, but I was very excited because uh, when they showed little little uh, Spock, the actor uh, Liam Hughes. Is there is an actor that was on When Calls the Heart? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's like really cute, little, very talented little little actor. So it was kind of fun to see him in, in something you know as big as, as this show. So mm-hmm. that was kind of exciting. But um, what did you think of this whole idea, of using uh, Alice, Alice in Wonderland, as kind of the his mother's way of explaining the world kind of to Spock. Uh, I think it's a great way of using the canon. It uses a, a tiny little detail deep in, you know, deeply embedded in an original series episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And it, um, and just runs with it like crazy. And I think that's a really cool, that's cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's neat to see. It, well, again, it's it goes back to like I, I I feel like I'm getting to know Spock a little better, and it's uh, and yeah, it's I I'd never thought of Alice in Wonderland as a as sort of a handbook for human illogic, but um, I, that's an interesting reading of it. I'd never thought of it that way before. So it's no, it's I'm having all kinds of fun with it. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that sort of thinking about going to Wonderland as being kind of a way to it's almost a catharsis and yeah. an escape from uh from what your uh from what might be a burden in your mind mm-hmm. uh and I, I i liked i liked that whole idea it was interesting to me so uh anyway yeah well, and also just the encountering the unknown and and uh testing learning about yourself by in the end and you know encountering the unknown is the anvil by which you you know determine who you are right I, the, the, i'm not saying it very well but you know you mm-hmm. understand what i'm saying like that yeah. you're experiencing new things shapes who you are mm-hmm. yeah and, well, and that's experiencing thing. things way out well outside your experience yeah well and that's the whole thing of uh of alice in wonderland it's it doesn't really have a plot it's just her mm-hmm. meeting one new thing that's crazy and hard to kind of understand after another thing after another thing and so in a way it would be a perfect kind of escape because it's really just about experiencing new things and trying to understand them when they make no sense they're nonsense mm-hmm. the whole point of the book is about uh engaging in nonsense yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh yeah Sarek finds them because she's been hiding hiding him and mm-hmm. uh then we uh, trying, she's trying to shelter him because uh, he's a fugitive, right? 
Yeah. She's trying to shelter him under under Sarek's diplomatic immunity, but he sort of shows up and says, not so fast. Right. And the whole Section 33 crew of Leyland and Giorgio are looking for, obviously, are looking for Spock and for uh, Burnham and because they think that Spock uh, committed these crimes, killed these three people. And he keeps saying this 749148 over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And they figure out that it is a, those coordinates uh, for uh, a planet. And so they are able to, and then we see in the next episode, they are able to go and find those coordinates and we'll get to know more. But yeah, so basically this is about, uh, this is about Spock and, and, Burnham meeting again and us learning about this learning disability and this sort of confrontation between Sarek and Amanda. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of the Spock part of the story. And and then also sort of the angel uh, and whether there's a question of did he create the, did, did the angel choose him or did he choose the angel? Or who created the angel? What is the angel? what's going on and so we get to find more about that in the next episode yeah before we move on i do have to uh, point out um what an awesome uh a couple of cool things uh for one thing um i think it was this episode they do a cool name check on where spock disappeared he disappeared in the mutaras in the mutara sector uh-huh. they, they call it the mutara sector the mutara nebula is where the genesis project was uh, is launched several years later um, oh. and, and it's, you know, the Mutara system is, is a forbidden area and after the Genesis project explodes, no one's allowed to go there. Right. So they have to steal the enterprise to go find Spock there. Anyway, hmm. just a cool fan yeah. service thing. But then also, um, the cool fist fight between Giorgio and, uh, and Michael, um, that's actually staged, right. but they have to make it look good because Giorgio's, you know, her machinations are proceeding, you know, to try to undermine her her co in section 31 that's right because Giorgio basically lets her go because she wants to uh basically take over for leland i think his name is yeah leland uh and uh and so that you know that was kind of interesting and it was a pretty good uh pretty good little fight there pretty even obviously it's staged but that was good yeah, no, I, I like the, um, uh, yeah, the overall, I've, I've said this before, but I really like that we're getting the, the fist fight of the week, uh, the way we did with mm-hmm. the original series. It's kind of a cool thing, cool to see a new show bring back things from the original series that none of the other spinoffs have ever tried to do, or, or they just haven't emphasized in the same way. So it's, it's neat. Right. So then you have uh, Tyler and Pike working together. Uh, Tyler wants to know what happened to Burnham. Yeah, in quotes, yeah. working together. More like fighting right. like cats and dogs, right? Yeah. Right. And <laughs> so obviously that's interesting. And they they go out and uh, they create this kind of time tsunami, they mm-hmm. call it. Uh, there's, a, there's a temporal distortions between Tyler and Pike. 
And so Saru kind of takes over and he changes the mission from a from a research mission of the, of this planet to a rescue mission, but they only have like a small window in order to rescue them and where they can save them or you know they'll be lost to kind of this time rift. Mm -hmm. And uh and then they bring in Stamets to kind to try because he has the spore drive sensitivity to try to help them mm -hmm. and there's a probe with a giant it almost looked like a giant uh octopus kind of thing i don't know yeah. how to describe it that attacks the ship and uh so then they they try to attack the probe and uh it's it's very messy and uh eventually pike shoots it and uh and they're able to beam them up onto the ship and uh, but the probe was managed to get like tons of data from from them uh while mm -hmm. it was attached and yeah that probe was interesting i there's a lot star trek has done that kind of thing a lot before um in uh star trek the motion picture right we have the voyager mm -hmm. probe coming back from its long journey uh, and its encounter with whatever alien race it finds, and it's dramatic, so drastically changed we don't even recognize it. That's um, true. And then also like Nomad from uh, the episode the, the Changeling from the original series. Uh -huh. That's another Earth probe, right? That that gets lost in space and refitted with alien tech and sent back unrecognizable. Or, or what about the um one in uh, the fourth movie? That was not one of ours. That okay. was just an alien probe out of nowhere. Oh. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they say a time tsunami is coming and uh, there's, uh, it's just, it's just interesting. Whole, yeah, kind of cool. You get all um, the dialogue between uh, Tyler and Pike and also uh you know, with them, you know, working <laughs> and then you get some moments. It was nice to see Saru get some moments of leadership again. Right. Um, yeah. True. He, he seems to slide into that really comfortably, doesn't he? Yeah. Which was nice, especially after last week. Yeah. Uh, it was so emotional for him. And the, the, the uh, sort of the slap fight between Pike and, and uh, Tyler was interesting because I felt like Tyler was kind of projecting because he's like, Oh, you're just trying to get yourself killed. You know, um, you you just have survival's guilt because you were on your five-year mission during the war, so you never got a chance to defend your home. So you're just trying to get yourself killed. Tyler's thinking like a Klingon, but I also think he's projecting. I think he's, I think Tyler has some survivor survival's guilt about surviving the war. Mm -hmm. It's my opinion. That makes sense, and he obviously has some major guilt about what he did to. Uh, um... Colber. Colber. Yeah. I mean, of course you. Or at least there's some real discomfort, and yeah. It... So it was interesting again in the vulture column. She says about the whole idea of the time tsunami. That uh, she says that she says I have questions about why we needed <laughs> to plunge into another extreme Starfleet math sports scenario this week just to come out of it with a probe that has been sentinel from the matrix upgraded and tossed back ostensibly from the red angels future why didn't a similar time 
space-time rift suck up the exploratory craft that went to study the spot where this first signal appeared and she says did the rift and or the time tsunami the, the discovery barely escaped at the end have any impact on uh on kaminar i'm not sure what that is but uh given the coordinates were Saru's right planet. what's that kaminar is through planet okay oh right right oh right yeah good memory given the coordinates were right above the planet either way why didn't a single crew member not even through voice that risk and uh so anyway she just felt like it was just kind of for the uh, she says for the sake of brevity i'll leave unspoken the rest of my queries about the implications of space-time rifts and how they present in this episode i'm just nonplussed as to why we needed to keep things at an 11 across the board this week my nerves are tired <laughs> that's so. a fair criticism of this show I've, i i keep wishing that they would slow down a little and maybe have a silly one you know what i mean like yeah um, have an episode where everybody goes crazy or or uh you know that everybody had fun with that time loop episode last last season yeah. why you know how about a little little fun uh, instead of just full court press like just non-stop yeah i get it yeah she says while i wouldn't exactly recommend skipping this episode just know that the bulk of what happens here michael finds spock rescues spock and gets coordinates to a profoundly upsettingly significant planet from spock all why pike and tyler pick up technology from 500 years in the future that has now secretly hacked uh that feels uh, feels like a 42 minute checklist interlude to the real story that's about to unfold next week rest up crew <laughs> yeah no that's fair it, it is one of those episodes that feels like a pipeline episode we have to get from a to b so yeah i was just thinking about that with uh actually with captain marvel no spoilers or anything but it does every once in a while you have these movies in the mcu that feel like they feel like they're they're fine i enjoy them just fine and they have fun parts and everything but they exist a little bit more as pieces of this larger puzzle yeah. more than as a necessary movie and obviously they are necessary because we need to get all that information out to tell the story this larger story and uh, so yeah that's probably somewhat kind of like what's happening here so it's interesting yeah she gave it two out of five stars no that's a little harsh but it um <clears throat> but i understand yeah i i'd I, i'd say more like three three and a half but mm -hmm. okay anyway so yeah i mean i i thought the uh the stuff with spock was pretty interesting i i think i can see the point of i why some diehard fans are like feel like it's sort of changing his character or adding to his character or whatever but I thought it was interesting enough and their relationship, I think is interesting, their dynamic. And we really see that, uh, we really see that come up in this next episode. So it's called If Memory Serves. Uh, and did you just about die when they had those clips? Oh yeah, when, they, when, you know, when it said coming next week and I'm seeing Telosians and stuff, I, I'm like falling out of my chair. Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea they'd go there. Like just, blew my mind for sure and i was real excited yeah and uh in at the beginning of the episode they have you know clips from star trek and you see the original series the episode the cage i mean it makes sense really when you think about it because here you have pike 
in and uh so it kind of makes sense to go back to his you know the pilot with pike and so you have this it starts out with pike asking uh tyler if his relationship with burnham is strictly professional and he says i was in love with michael but i violated her trust and uh so they... Can we actually can we just take a second to acknowledge that that they they used footage from another series to set up what was going to happen in this episode in this yeah. series? Yeah, that Star Trek's never done that before, and oh, I I hope that's I hope that's a portent of things to come in terms of like Star Trek becoming more fluid and less this is this and this you know less um, TV dinner partitioned. Yeah. Like no, the peas and the and the mashed potatoes can't touch. No, let's mi let's mix up the the peas yeah. and the mashed potatoes. Yes, please. Right. I like that. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, yeah, I agree. And so, yeah. So he talks a little about their relationship, and there's this whole like you know obviously it's an interesting thing because uh because Tyler is Vok, but mm -hmm. still Tyler. You know, like where's that line? We don't know. Mm -hmm. and uh and he probably couldn't even tell you yeah yeah and uh we find there's this there's the, a planet there and uh that there's been a nuclear event on the planet but that a small uh remnant of the species remains and it turns out it's talos mm -hmm. and uh where the original the cage episode had happened and uh so that's pretty it's pretty exciting <laughs> yeah so for those that don't know that the star trek was one of those weird shows that had two pilots they did one pilot uh for nbc called the cage and it had jeffrey hunter as captain pike and you know, and and spock was in there but other than that none of the other other than spock none of the other cast members moved on but in any case they they filmed that episode it was too expensive nbc said well you know what give us another pilot see if you can do it a little cheaper and they did with william shatner and they they kind of at redid the redid the cast a bit and that's how we got the show we got they ended up using bits of that in in uh an episode called the menagerie which is worth a look um and um so yeah that's that's how we get captain pike is that he comes from that original pilot mm -hmm. right yeah so they go to talos four and uh the spock basically needs the talo talosians help to put his kind of brain back together from after seeing the red angel and we find out that the red angel is human uh from the future mm -hmm. and that he had this dream uh, and uh so uh they uh he he wants to go because the telosians have this uh this like inception like power i guess kind of sure yeah they can they can um yeah they can make you think or see whatever they want you to think or they, or they can make you perceive anything that they want you to perceive mm -hmm. yeah and they can they can read your thoughts and, and feelings mm -hmm. yeah and so there's this woman there named vina uh, and she tells them she says i'm an old friend of pike and uh and they're able to communicate like telepathically like you say and uh she she basically says that spock has a variance that will make him crazy that will uh and 
uh, we find out it kind of goes back as they're exploring his psyche they go back to this wound that spock has from childhood that michael the burnham inflicted upon him and you get this whole scene of uh and this whole scene of the uh of child uh burnham leaving uh leaving spock and this uh she kind of she she white fangs him yes <laughs> he says she says that uh he's a, a cold half-breed freak who could never mm-hmm. love anything that it could not be possible and obviously this is not like true but it's like the this defining experience and she was just saying it to kind of protect him from uh from all of that i don't know she was just that he says that is this was a, a defining experience in his life but spock denies that it is but uh you see this uh you see them switch off between them as adults having this argument and the, and then as children having the the argument and it's just pretty devastating yeah that was a great choice i really like that part of it a lot mm-hmm. yeah so what do you think is the purpose of this is all part of uh in finding the 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 red angel is kind of getting to the core of this defining moment of Spock's life. And why do you think that Burnham did this as a child? Um, I think she felt, she felt like um, she was a, she felt like she was a a danger to Spock. Like she she was worried about the Vulcan extremists um, attacking their home because she was there as a human, as a human being living as a member of their family. Right, because um, they were they were under threat from extremists who you know who were um, against the idea of uh, Federation and Earth culture uh, diluting Vulcan purity or whatever. Right. Um, so, in order to make it her make it to ensure that Spock was safe, she said some pretty awful things to him to try to get him to not stop following her around like a puppy, like brothers tend to do, and um, and to just divorce herself from the, from the family a little bit. Yeah. She says, I don't want you in my life, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you weird little half-breed. And then she says she did it just to keep him safe, safe from the logic extremists that yeah. were kind of hunting them down uh, in that day. And uh, so they uh there's a just a pretty powerful dynamic that's going on there and you kind of feel for uh for burnham because i mean she was just a child too uh but you know she had to you know she probably she probably made mistakes but she certainly had the best of intentions yet she she was had to inflict all this pain on her brother and I don't know. It's an interesting situation. It is, yeah. And I, I want to point out to what uh, something about the Telosians, which is one of the reasons why the Cage has become my favorite episode of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which it's amazing that they hit it so well out of the park on the first try, but, um, uh, sorry, excuse that. Um, anyway, um, yeah, the solutions are interesting because uh, they, they're basically just TV addicts, right? They've been, they've been living underground for thousands of years. They have nothing to do but, but, you know, cultivate the power of the mind and just kind of watch TV, right? So they, they capture uh, alien species. They've been capturing alien species and to breed them for entertainment and to sort of repopulate the planet. Uh -huh. um, and Burnham, really early on, gets that that's what they're about. <laughs> They're like, we want to see, we want to see where you wounded Spock. We want to see that episode. <laughs> and they're like, why? Or she, she, or Michael's like, why? Right. For your entertainment? She's got them. Like, she knows that she's got their number. Um, and what's funny is about that is that, like, it's sort of meta because here we are saying, oh, yeah, they're so awful. All they care about is just watching people hurt for entertainment. And here we are watching these characters hurt for our entertainment, <laughs> right? It's, uh, I like that aspect of Star Trek, that like it's the only TV show that's telling you you should be turning off the TV. Um, and so we, we, we get a little bit of that and so, um, because, uh, yeah, you know, it's sort of a cheap trick to bring back, I, I admit, it's kind of a cheap tra trick to bring back the Telosians and the singing blue flowers and stuff and Vina, um, you know, and. And just to make me clap like a seal. Okay, I get that I'm I'm getting my buttons are getting pushed, but all that aside, the writers understand that episode, and it's clear that they understand that episode from the way they wrote this one, because the Telosians are still going to be Telosians, right? They're still going to do what they do. Right. Well, and also that you have uh, you have an interesting dynamic between Spock and. Uh, in Burnham, where uh, she she wants to uh, kind of move on from this kind of thing, and then like, and then be uh, be the same as they always were, you know, and be united together, or whatever. Whereas like Spock is more sort of is more logical about all of this. I uh, you know he says he says uh, he says I'm not here to absolve you, Michael Burnham. This is not about your feelings, and. Uh, there he, he's very even though it's a very emotional scene he knows that they have to kind of hash this out in order to get to the spot where then they can get closer to you know finding this the red angel and and you know and saving everything and and absolving himself and all of that stuff and so by mm -hmm. the end when when he actually when she actually sees what happened as far as those murders and everything like it is logical to her now what happened and why he did what he did mm -hmm. and so i don't know it's it's a very interesting kind of situation yeah uh, what i like about the uh, the the scene where she cuts him off and she calls him a a, a weird little half breed or whatever um that is that that has meaning for me because there's a, a i think one there's at least one maybe two episodes of the original series where Spock is not right, he's been influenced by some alien, whatever, and Kirk has to get his attention, he has to get him riled up and get him mad, which we kind of see that in the Star Trek 2009 film too, where he has to like insult Spock to get him pissed off. Mm -hmm. um, that's 
that um, which by the way critics of those movies watch the original series because if, if you think that's not out of character for spock you haven't seen the show mm-hmm. okay because you piss off spock he will beat the sh- he will excuse me he will yeah. beat stuffing out of you right right and especially if you use the the h word if you call him a half breed you're done and it's cool that they sort of give us the we sort of get the origin story of like this is why that triggers him Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, I thought that was kind of neat. It's interesting uh, in the Vulture column. She says that uh, she says that this was a, a heinous and indeed defining experience. No matter how much Spock denies it, the interspersing of Martin Green and Peck recreating the children's argument as adults and <laughs> and breaking my cold dead heart in the process makes that much obvious, much more obvious. I just hope that they can cry and work it out and hug by the finale. Otherwise my therapist is going to have an irritating. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'm glad, I'm glad she's not so hard bitten and cynical as to roll her eyes at that. Cause that was, she loves this episode. She didn't like the last one. She loves this one. Five stars. She really, yeah, it was a goodie. Oh yeah. I did. So, so much goodness here. And yeah, this is, um, it it was really cool to have one of my, 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 uh, my favorite episode so lovingly um mm-hmm. uh, i don't know homaged or whatever but like i i now i'm now i'm clamoring for um you know hey i'll, I'll help pay for it i'll kick in some money if i can get other fans to join in remake the cage remake the cage <laughs> kickstarter yes. yeah because I mean, you've got the cast you got you got every, you got number one you got everybody you got everybody you need uh-huh. remake yeah. the cage Yes. <laughs> so yeah, you get some scenes with uh, Vina and uh, Pike uh, talking. She's able to uh, telepath or whatever uh, into talk to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says, when you left, it was worse because I knew I'd lost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but the, she actually, I guess, creates an, an, a and an illusionary um pike there on the yeah that's that's where we leave her in in the cage is that um the telosians say oh no she'll be fine and we see quote pike go back down into the subterranean caves with vena right well the real pike beams back up to the enterprise Mm -hmm. so and actually and in the menagerie they kind of rework that uh where you know the the issue is that pike we know that tragically he gets into an accident. Sorry, people um, who don't know this. <laughs> tragically, he gets into an accident where he's pretty debilitated and uh, to the point where he, he rolls around in this spacey-looking wheelchair, and the only way he c- can communicate is by blinking once for yes and twice for no. And um, Spock ends up taking him back to Talos Four, And, you know, they, he sort of lives out the rest of his existence with Vina in a condition where he's like himself, right? Just like they did for Vina, you know, she was a mess when she crashed and they were able to make her feel like herself and they do the same for Pike. So they're, they're kind of a, they're, they're kind of star-crossed lovers. They're supposed to, they do end up together, but sort of in a bittersweet sort of semi-tragic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a good job. I think, with casting Vina, she looked a lot like the uh, original. I think. No, yeah, she did, and um, she and actually, I thought she brought a little more 
her 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 performance was fit the modern the modern tone of the show or of, of Discovery, but it was all it wasn't in, so in wildly in, inconsistent with um oh, I can't remember, her name escapes me now with the other actress's performance in the original either so like it yeah it was very well done mm -hmm. yeah and so basically her job is to to convince pike to come and get burnham and spock mm -hmm. and uh, there's a brief time where you see uh spock shows burnham like i said when he did the murders and you could see all of that and they're very clever about how they beam the illusions of themselves up onto the 31 uh, ship. And, yeah. uh, and then it turns out, of course, they're actually being beamed up onto the Discovery. And uh, so that was, that was pretty fun. Yeah, it was a fun bit of trickery. Yeah. And uh, it says, I like the vulture, she says, that uh, this emotionally blindsided Pike at the sight of his long lost love. It's a compelling, if thin moment of tenderness we hadn't got yet gotten from him. He takes a fully unsettling leap of faith though, trusting her and the Telogians to help them save Spock and Burnham and evade section 31's grasp, becoming fugitives from Starfleet as they rush to prevent galactic apocalypse. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it, this is so great because it sets up so beautifully the menagerie like okay so this is how he knows how he both he and spock know the telosians are people they can trust mm -hmm. like they've established they have a they have an established relationship now we can work with these people mm -hmm. yeah well and plus it it puts uh them against starfleet which is something that uh, it seems like, especially if you're going back to the early series, original series, mm -hmm. that was, you know, that's very, you know, Captain Kirk to me is kind of being a little bit of a rebel. Sure. Yeah, a little bit. And and also like, you know, um, yeah, using the circumstances to your best advantage. Uh, yeah, it kind of feels like you know, what they're doing with Section 31 is... It's a bit of a mystery to me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing what I did last season where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to put faith in the writers and, and write it out. But it, because it's what they're doing is fairly inconsistent with the way they've handled Section 31 and other shows. Um, and it says like they have badges. Everybody knows who they are. What? Like uh -huh. it's, it's such a secret society. They have their own badges. So everybody knows who you are. That doesn't make any sense. Right. <laughs> um, in Deep Space Nine, they're pretty clandestine and under the radar. Right. Uh -huh. um, so it's, it's like, well, okay, I get, you know, I'll, I'll write, I'll take the ride. I'll see where they're going with it. But. Right. And Colbert, the other part of this episode is Colbert and Stamets. And mm -hmm. she has its Col the Colmets <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> Oh, okay. Got it. The, as a yeah. couple, yeah, Colmets. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And so, yes. So basically Stamets is wanting everything to be back the same. Uh, is trying to like cook for him, trying to make everything the same. And he's just getting more and more uncomfortable. Nothing feels right. Nothing feels uh, feels natural. And uh, it's pretty, he finally loses it. He finally explodes. And, uh, and he, you know, he says, what's normal about this? You want me to pick up where we left off? But I have no idea what that means. And right. so that was pretty, pretty devastating. Uh, what did, what did you, you feel about that? Yeah, it kind of reminded me of um, that bit in Harry Potter where it's like the, the tale of the three brothers and the, 
the one of the brothers gets a stone that, that will bring back the dead. And so he brings back his his dead wife, but it turns out she's kind of a wisp of what she was. Like it, it's got that, it's got a feeling of like a fantasy creature who's like you somehow raise the dead, but it's at a terrible cost, right? Um, like somehow they aren't really who they once were. So I thought that I think it's interesting what they're doing with it, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and the whole idea of sort of being kind of uncomfortable in your own body. Yeah. Feeling, feeling almost ashamed of your body uh, and what happened. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, it's interesting because then he comes in contact with uh, Tyler and uh, they, and he kind of feels in a weird way, the same way, Tyler, because he's also yeah. not his own. They have this bond. odd bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of fight, fight it out a little bit. And uh you know this is definitely a a a conflict that they've been building building towards and uh it's going to be interesting to see kind of what they what they do to sort of resolve this because how do you resolve it i don't even know like are they just broken up now or is there going to be some way that he's able to connect with stamets again in a new way is it going to be different but better is it going to be uh, you know what because now you have like three characters that are not in their like correct bodies if you think about it because Giorgio <laughs> right. also is uh, the the Terran you know the Terran race whatever and uh, a different than 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 uh, her original at least body on the show and- yeah identity identity is a real interesting theme and all that I, I hadn't thought noticed that all those can all these connections until you'd mentioned it so I'll have to watch that as it develops. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because they have a lot of stuff to wrap up in just only a couple more episodes this That's season. True. Yeah, pretty amazing. Also, we did find out that the I was wrong last episode. I I thought I didn't know if I saw season three uh, because I just I just felt like nobody was really talking about it, and it, I, I knew it was a pretty expensive show. And yeah, like the next day. <laughs> the next day. Laid out season three so shows what i know about <laughs> anything but uh but anyway so yeah it was a pretty tense episode basically you had that conflict between uh stamets and colber and then also with tyler and uh, and you had uh the pike agreeing to go and help and save uh burnham and uh and spock I'm really excited now that Spock is on the Discovery to see what is going to happen. And uh yeah, it's uh they're they're not heading the star quarters anymore. They're they're off doing their own thing and they are going to try to stop this red angel from destroying all of humankind. And uh, so that's a pretty noble endeavor. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's fun when they're they're cut loose and they're saying, you know, the hell with our orders, we're gonna we're going to save the galaxy. <laughs> you know, that's, that's when Star Trek is, is at its most fun. Yeah. I, I in the, you did get it in the, uh, and Colbert says to Tyler, I don't know who I am anymore. And then Tyler says, uh, says, who do you think you're talking to? You know, at this, the <laughs> you think you're talking to. And uh, so 
it's going to be interesting. Uh, so, uh, and the, <laughs> the vulture says uh, that at this point, I'm not sure whether there is a soul in this galaxy. Shazad Latif, who plays Tyler, uh, could not have sexual chemistry with, but I'm certainly not interested in finding out. <laughs> so there you go. She that has some is... funny ideas about about Tyler flirting with everyone he meets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least he got rid of the man bun. She was not a fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. That is this episode. And uh I like so she gave this one a five out of five. This one was great. It was really entertaining. You got to know the characters a lot better. And uh it had it had some fun fun lighter moments like when they you know the whole uh the whole illusions tricking uh 31 that was fun mm-hmm. and you know some other things but then it also had a lot of intense moments too so i really enjoyed it yeah they used all the used all the colors this time mm-hmm. yeah yep. so all right well great well it was so fun to talk to you about these episodes and let us know in the comment section what you thought of them. And uh, do you like where the show is going? And were you surprised that it got renewed? Uh, so let us know. We would love to hear your thoughts. And so, Tom, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Almano Roboto and at Happy Place Poems. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and YouTube. Please put in your ratings and reviews on iTunes. And if you're listening on YouTube, if you can give us a thumbs up, we really appreciate it. So thanks so much. And we will talk again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.